This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. Guess what? You are not alone. Support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help you find a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. Churchescare.com. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Agra, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send us an email, it's very simple. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. To find out about the broadcast schedule that we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for all of the programming on the Exxon TV channel, simply go to simultv.com. Before we get to my first guest tonight, um, I'd like to say hello to a good friend of mine who is in the hospital awaiting a triple bypass heart surgery. Marty McLean was the very first person who worked with us on the X Chronicles newspaper going back 30 years ago yesterday. Not only is Marty uh, a great friend, I've known Marty all these years, but he is, um, you know, he's just a great guy and uh, he has to be the first member of the X Nation. Marty and I did a number of uh, symposiums together, exhibitions together when the X Chronicles was getting on, and Marty was always around when needed, whether it was for the X Chronicles newspaper, the X Zone radio show, or the X Zone TV show. Um, he had a heart attack. The doctors found out that he had to have triple bypass surgery. He is in the Ham- he is in a Hamilton hospital, and uh, our thoughts and best wishes go to Marty for a speedy recovery, and our love goes to his wife Kirby, his daughter Sarah, and his mother Mary. Marty, get well soon, pal. We have to get things going over here. Exonation, my guest this hour is M.K. Davis. Now, anyone who knows anything about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever you want to call this biped um, giant of the forest who is very elusive knows the name M.K. Davis. He developed an interest in the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film while pursuing astrophotography. Now, astrophotography is the discipline of taking space photographs through a telescope. 
and MK owns two large telescopes that are outfitted for space photography. And um, let, let's get to MK. And um, first of all, MK, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Always a great pleasure talking to you. And what was it about the Patterson-Gimlin film that got you interested in Bigfoot? Well, I always tell people that I kind of backed into it, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's sort of that way. Uh, right. I uh, I saw a couple of frames from the film mm-hmm. that that were of such quality that you know it's rather astounding, and and someone had filtered one of them, uh, trying to boost the contrast, and and I recognized uh, you know what had been done. Uh, because of my experience with astrophotography. So um, I, I began an inquiry. Uh, you can't get a good frame like that from a, uh, you know, a, a bad film that's fundamentally bad. So I knew there had to be a better version of the film out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I began an inquiry, and it, that inquiry has lasted until today, 25-plus uh, years. <laughs> And uh, I've got some of the best images there are, and, and, and I was right on that. It, there were better versions of it, and when you get back for the master copy, uh, the film is uh, truly astounding. And I was able to put together, uh, you know, a filtered, stabilized uh, version of the film. Uh, and uh, 2 in the morning when I hit preview, uh, my own jaw dropped. Uh, at the quality of the film and what it showed on the film. And, and so uh, it, the film's doing the talking, and, and I, that's what I endeavored to set out to do, and, and it, that's kind of what's happening. So let me ask you this, MK. In your opinion, is Bigfoot real? Well, there was at least one in 1967. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, other, there's other good films out there, too. Uh, you know, just logic tells you that they, there must be more of them. Uh, so uh, along the Bluff Creek area, it's still a very good place to go looking. Uh, you know, so it, it, yes, yes, I'll have to answer that categorically that they are real. All right, so based on your first answer, would it be safe to assume that you believe that the Patterson Bigfoot film is authentic? Yes, yeah, it's just authentic. Um, it, there's enough on it to, that you can uh, say that the biomechanics mm-hmm. uh, agree with everyday life and it, that it is an authentic film of something with, with all the correct biomechanics. In your opinion, um, MK, how come there hasn't been any other film or video of the same quality as the uh, Patterson-Gimlin film, taking into account the number of cell phones there are with high-definition video capabilities? Well, there's, there's not many cell phones in Bluff Creek. All right, uh, but there are or, in other parts or, of the world where Bigfoot has been reported to be seen. Well, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of blurry pictures, mm-hmm. a lot of blurry cell phone video. Right. Uh, but, but it, it, as far as uh, the, what happened at Bluff Creek, you know, being it's a remote place, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and Bigfoot tends to hang out at remote places. Uh, 
so you know as to whether they're all all out there claiming to be bigfoot or actually bigfoot mm-hmm. you know probably not uh so you know uh it, it, it we live in a mass media world yes uh where where things you know you can take a picture and it'll be on the internet mm-hmm. and be viral in 24 hours uh so uh a lot of block squatches blurry pictures uh misidentifications things like that the actual actual footage of the quality of the patterson film are really rare have you uh, have you so, seen uh, uh, go ahead I'm sorry. Uh, have you seen other film or video that parallels the Patterson film? I don't know that it parallels it, but you know there there's number one, and then there's number two and number mm-hmm. three. Uh, uh, the Paul Freeman footage is probably going to be number two. Um, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, it was taken by a forestry employee named Paul Freeman in the near Walla Walla, uh, Washington mm-hmm. in the Blue Mountains, uh, near a place called Deduct Springs, uh, in Mill Creek, uh, watershed. Uh, they didn't let anybody go back in there because it was a watershed and they, they didn't want anybody messing up the water for the right. Walla Walla. So mm-hmm. people were kept out. He, he could go in there. He took some footage that was pretty extraordinary. Do you consider yourself to be a Bigfoot researcher? I denied it for years, Rob. Uh, I guess I guess I am mm-hmm. by definition. Uh, at some point in time, you know the the film. Uh, you know, once I had reached the point where I I had improved the film to the point where you know, where you could make a pretty good judgment on it. And from that point on, the next question was, what is the nature of what am I looking at? You know, now that I know that it's off an authentic film. And and so you began, uh, you know, kind of uh, another stage uh, of interest. Uh, So I guess at this point in time, I am a researcher, a Bigfoot researcher. Does the questionable credibility of... of, um Patterson come into play when it comes to the fact that yes, the film is authentic, but the Bigfoot creature may not be, uh, may not be a an actual Bigfoot. Well, a lot of people, uh, you know, the the film has had its detractors yeah. for ever since it was first shown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a skepticism is kind of a funny thing because it can, it can. You know, it can save you or it can condemn you. You end up being, a, you can be a prison by. Uh, Patter, Patterson, if, if once I began to clear the film and to stabilize it, there was less and less to object to. You could answer a lot of objections just using the film. Right. So people began to, people began to shift their skepticism over to Patterson himself. You know, that he didn't pay his bills, the shady character hung out with shady characters. All right, uh, MK, we've got to take our break. Please stand by. Exo Nation, MK Davis is our special guest. And uh, visit his blog at thedavisreport.wordpress.com. 
Com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. M.K. Davis is our special guest of this hour. We're talking about Bigfoot. And if you'd like to visit uh, M.K.'s blog, it's thedavisreport.wordpress.com. M.K., before we went to the commercial break, we were just starting to talk about the the credibility of Patterson, you know, and he's got quite a, he had quite a painted background, uh, and how did this play into the legitimacy of Bigfoot, especially when you've got people like Bob Hieronymus coming forward and saying, hey, it was a fake. There was no Bigfoot. I was the guy inside of that Bigfoot costume. How does this play into the entire scenario? Well, well, I mean, uh, if, if you look at it's a double-edged sword, mm-hmm. skepticism is. Yeah. Uh, if you if you say well Roger Patterson was a shady character who didn't pay his bills mm-hmm. and that's been a, uh, you know he uh, ripped the camera people off he ripped this person and you're saying that same person who hadn't didn't have the money to pay his bills pulled off one of the biggest hoaxes of the century mm-hmm. uh, with the most realistic looking suit that not even Hollywood could make. Is they, they counter one another. Uh, you know, it, well, it's just not possible. Well, uh, well you know, it, it how, doesn't really matter uh, mm-hmm. the, when a film gets, you know, when I've improved this film and right. to the point where it, it vouches for itself. It, it doesn't need Roger Patterson and it doesn't need Bob Campbell and it doesn't need M.K. Davis. What it, does it, it need? It, it, go ahead. What does it need then? It just needs someone to look at it uh, in its best form. Uh, and then you mm-hmm. can make a pretty good judgment based upon what you know about living. Uh, when you see muscles flex, when you see uh, the, 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 the muscles along the back, the mm-hmm. clavicle and the right shoulder move, you see the buttocks and you see the two glutes and they move independent of one another. Uh, you see the muscles flex in the calves. Those are biomechanics. They, they, we see those things every day in our lives. We recognize them. And so it, 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 it really doesn't matter a whole lot about, about uh, you know, whether you uh, Roger Patterson paid his bills, well, whatever. But doesn't that play into the credibility of the, of the entire event? What's that? Credibility. If somebody doesn't pay their bills, if somebody doesn't pay their taxes, if somebody has the reputation of being a storyteller, if somebody has the reputation of exaggerating things, and then all of a sudden this film of an alleged Bigfoot 
is taken by that very same person, in my opinion, it certainly puts a spotlight on the credibility of the person who's taking that film. And the, well, I don't it, know. I don't know that Roger Patterson had those those problems. Uh, I know that he, he he had some problems mm-hmm. with his money, but uh, I don't. Sports telling stories. I don't know that he had those. He was eight years into his investigation, mm-hmm. so uh, this thing came along after eight years. So, you know, if he were just uh, telling wild stories right. for that whole eight years. Maybe, maybe I can understand that, but you know, I've, I've seen his research and I've seen, I've seen actual pages out of his notebook and they were just notations. They weren't plain. But you know, over, I'm sorry, over, over the years, many people have been taken in by claims of, of discoveries. For example, the Mitchell, the Mitchell Hedges skull hoax. Anna Mitchell Hedges for years, you know, swore that her father found it in Louboutin, and the story goes on. And then we find out that there is a number of parallels between Mitchell Hedges and his reputation and the reputation of, of, uh, of Patterson. So how can we actually tell for sure that Patterson, you know, and... and Prior to, let me ask you this, MK, prior to the Patterson-Gimlin film, did anybody ever hear of the research that was being done by this, by this Bigfoot researcher who had been apparently out there researching the Bigfoot for eight years before coming across its path and taking the film? You're asking me if anybody had heard of him? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had a newsletter that he sent out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I ran across people here in the Deep South right. that had those newsletters from way back when. Uh, for those people who were interested, we didn't have the Internet or right. anything like that. So it didn't travel fast, but it was mailed, uh, snail mail. Uh, and he had uh, quite a few people that knew of him and knew of his efforts. Um, and, and he was known uh, up and down, you know, through the to the uh, Pacific Northwest, especially, uh, for his his uh, attempts or to find mm-hmm. Bigfoot. Um, he writ- wrote a book called, uh, Does I've got a copy of it right here, it says, Does the Abominable Snowman exist? of America Really Exist? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it enjoyed quite a circulation. So he was an author. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, yes. Uh, the answer is yes. People did know of his efforts, but he he made no claims toward that he had found a Bigfoot, or uh, it was all uh, about his efforts right. to find one. Gotcha. Uh, now, now in nineteen sixty-seven, how much airplay or how much media attention attention did his his film receive once it was released? Well, I, I don't know what you what you would call released. Uh, it was shown live uh, at the Museum of British Columbia, I believe it was, um, and it kept mixed reviews. Uh, the 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 I, the reason why it got mixed reviews, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is because it, it just they just didn't clean the film up. 
or do anything to make it more stable. You know, they just showed the raw film. Right. And, and, and it's, it's hard to tell when it's shaking around violently all over the screen, you know, what you're looking at. Uh, so uh, people watched it a time or two, and mm -hmm. they really didn't know. Uh, you know, some people dismissed it. Some people thought it was the greatest thing. And then, but most were kind of in between, uh, kind of mixed reviews, but he, he took it on the road, uh, to, to live, uh, showings of it, uh, you know, he rented auditoriums and he would show it and, and he was getting a little bit of, uh, income from that. People right. had to buy tickets to get in there and then they, you could donate if you wanted to. So, uh, so this was this was so, his way of uh, of making a living was by going to location to location and and showing his film. I don't know how he was okay. making his living uh, mostly by being an inventor. Oh, really? Uh, plus, he yeah, plus he had uh, some some financial backing, but he uh, he invent, he invented several things. He invented a, a shaker that shook fruit out of trees. You know, the orchards up there mm -hmm. in uh, Washington State. Right. Uh, got, a, got a patent on it. Did pretty good with that. Um, you know, uh, so, nowadays, uh, you know, skeptics portray him as a complete and total bomb, but he, he was anything but that. Uh, you know, everybody has their own way of doing things. And you leave your own track in sure. the world. And, and that, that's the, the direction that he went. Uh, that he he had, he had a very uh, inventive type of mind, mm -hmm. and he when he saw a need, he tried to fill it and get a patent on it. And, uh, he uh, I, I interviewed uh, Al Hodson in Willow Creek, and he told me that uh, Roger Patterson, at the time he met Roger Patterson, he had gotten a toy patent uh, for kids. Uh, so you know it, uh, he had money coming in, and, and then he had a uh, some financial backers too, as well. Uh, so I've got pictures of Roger. Uh, he had uh, what you call cutting edge ATV equipment, you know, with tracks. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be be the equivalent of a side by side now. Uh, you know, he had a big truck full of equipment, listening equipment, uh, that type of thing. Uh, so, you know, the, the, I talked to the guy whose dad rented him cameras hmm. uh, up there in a photo house in uh, in Yakima, Washington. And he, he told me that Roger, uh, his dad had rented Roger on the same day two cameras, not just one. Uh, one of them was uh, a Bolex and the other was a Kodak K100. All right, stand by, MK. You and I have to come back uh, after this news break. And Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is MK Davis. His website is thedavisreport.wordpress.com. Bigfoot is the topic this hour. Are you a skeptic or are you a believer? Send me an email, exxon at com. And for all the programming that we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Visit www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV channel on SimulTV, simultv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. M.K. Davis and I return after the news. Don't go away.
M.K. Davis is my guest this hour, Exxon Nation. His blog site is thedavisreport.wordpress.com. And he also has a YouTube channel that is GreenWave2010FB. Um, M.K., can you take us uh, through the process in which you were able to enhance the shaky footage that was taken by Gimlin and Patterson? Well, yeah, the first thing I had to do was to identify the problems with Mm -hmm. them, uh, you know, technical problems. Uh, And almost any lens of any type, uh, you know, it's going to have certain things that that are inherently uh, wrong with the lens, and you don't really notice them except that when you magnify it, then you magnify its flaws, and then it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And so identifying those things uh, was the first uh, order of business. And so what I found to be the most uh, uh, distracting or the most uh, damaging to the clarity of the film was chromatic aberration. Now, can chromatic you aberration, is the, it doesn't bring all the colors of the spectrum to one single point of focus. Mm-hmm. In other words, some of it, some of them are sharp and some of them are unfocused. Right. And so the unfocused ones detract from the overall quality of the picture. So I was able to, to make a determination of which one of those colors were the, were the detractors, and then I separated them out through filtration. So would that be the produce, would that be the same process that we use in video when we uh, when we change the the brightness contrast gamma and hue as well as the saturation of the footage no 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 that when you do those things you you do it to all the colors mm-hmm. uh, what i did was to eliminate those who were contributing to the overall unsharpness of the image okay now did you take uh, the fifth, did you take the 16 millimeter footage and convert it to video or did you how did you how did you do the process itself uh, I had someone who had a copy of the film mm-hmm. photograph each frame. Wow! And, and send me each frame individually, and I and I reprocessed each frame, and got rid of the chromatic aberration, mm-hmm. and I boosted the sharpness of each frame probably thirty percent. Now, did you do this and using I, a digital process, or was this using the analog process? Uh, I used the digital process on it. Okay. Well, it's, it's essentially the same thing. It mm-hmm. splits it off. And you'll get all the information in the photo that's in yellow, magenta, uh, cyan, and black. And uh, I found the colors that were unsharp. Mm-hmm. I just deleted them. Uh, I reassembled the, in, the frames, uh, stabilized them, and hit the preview button at 2 in the morning. And the rest is history. It's just so unbelievably clear. Uh, you know, I, it, it caught me by surprise at how good it was. I, I hope you don't take what I'm going to say the wrong way, but is it possible that you added to the film by using this process, thereby making it look more real than it is? No, I actually took took away from the film. I didn't add it. Oh, uh, okay, uh, so... When you remove the... 
remove the fuzzy color, mm-hmm. you're taking away, you're subtracting, not not adding. No, all, no, all I, I, did I, was, I, under, I understand. It left, it left the sharper layers mm-hmm. behind, and I, and I displayed them in black and white. Uh, so uh, all I did was take the unsharp layers of color that were not properly focused by the lens mm-hmm. and remove them. It, it's a, it's a, a process that's used every day in astrophotography. They, they do that all the time. It, it sharpens the image up. Uh, and as, as a rule in astrophotography, uh, that, you know, if you can boost it 1% in resolution, you'll mm-hmm. see 10 new things. And it pretty much holds true. Okay, so you did this frame by frame, and how many frames did you do? I only did the first two walk sequences, which is uh, over 500 frames. And how long did it take you in total to to complete the process? Quite a while. I don't know the exact amount of time, but it was, you know, I, I worked doggedly at it. Mm-hmm. Most of my work was at night, where right. I wouldn't bother anyone, and uh, and it when I ended up watching it for the first time, it was like in the wee hours, like you know, it's just me sitting alone at the computer, and I was just floored by how good it was because I I had stabilized it, and I don't think the film had ever been stabilized up to that point. Um, and when you talk about stabilization, which mm-hmm. is half the problem. I mean, you don't have to follow the thing all over the screen. Uh, so, you know, you bring it to center and hold it dead still, and it's like it's, the camera is following it. And uh, and so it, it, that that takes a load because you, you, your mind can't hardly process movement in more than one plane at a time. So you've got a movement in all, all, all types of planes of movement well, then you, you tend to just kind of blank out. You know, you can't analyze with your mind if, if you're seeing all that movement. The background's moving, the, the creature's moving against the background, and the camera person is moving left to right. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, all of that has to be brought to center, and then it's, you can tell a lot more about it. So you completed this film. I'm sure everyone uh, who is interested in Bigfoot has seen it. And uh, have you gone on any Bigfoot research uh, expeditions yourself? I have. I, I have been to Bluff Creek mm-hmm. probably 15 times. Uh, I was there last July, as a matter of fact. And why do you keep going back to Bluff Creek? It's a good place to go. Uh, you you find a lot of sign down there. Now, what kind of signs do you find? Well, in 2015, I, I took some Japanese uh, filmmakers mm-hmm. in there, and there was a series of tracks. It must have been about 15 of them going across the sandbar. And... I could not put a dent in that sandbar, and these tracks were uh, four inches deep. And 
uh, it, it took tremendous weight to do that. Um, it, it's 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 less size and more weight mm-hmm. about a Sasquatch that impresses me. Uh, they're so heavy. Uh, and I did we did a we shot a reenactment of the Patterson film mm-hmm. as best we could. They wanted to do that. I played the part of the Bigfoot. I, I didn't dress in a suit or anything. I just walked. Uh, I was real familiar with the film, so I was aware that she she looked back at the camera mm-hmm. and took four steps before she looked back at the ground in front in front of her. And so I did that. I tried to make it as accurate as possible. So I was able to make some uh, use that to run a side by side of me uh, with the with the actual film and make some determinations on the film speed. Now, do a lot of researchers who are interested in Bigfoots or Sasquatch, do a lot of these people go to Bluff Creek? And would you say that Bluff Creek is the mecca for Bigfoot researchers? I say there's been some people that go down there. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it a mecca because it's so difficult to get in there. But at one time, you could drive in there, uh, at least to Laos Camp. Right. Uh, but now but now the Forest Service has cut a lot of the roads, especially the spur roads. And, uh, I think they have in mind letting the area go back into a wild state. Uh, uh, it used to be known as the primitive area uh, when it had no roads. Right. And I think... They're interested in uh, getting it uh, declared a World Heritage Site and falling under the auspices of the United Nations. And and to do that, they have to let it go completely wild. And they they chisel plowed the roads and let them wash, uh, put these giant, huge humps, you know, that you couldn't pass. And it just makes it uh, difficult. You have to walk in there. You know, it's, a, it's quite an effort, and there's a lot fewer people doing it. Uh, some of the more hardier ones, uh, or in my case, hard-headed, um, <laughs> still still go back in there. Uh, but it, you know, it's I, I don't I have a heart condition of my my own, and it, you know, it's sure I'm, I'm not I'm not a you know, able to go wide open, you know, 64 years old. So I, I kind of, I guess, uh, take my time and just try to walk slowly. And All right, and MK, go. we've got to take our final break for this hour. Exonation MK Davis is our guest. His website, I should say his blog site is thedavisreport.wordpress.com. And MK and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Patterson, uh, you know, Gimlin film of the Bigfoot going back to the 60s. Why would Bigfoot still stick around there if Bigfoot knows that there's going to be humans looking for him or her in that area? 
Well, I didn't mean to leave the impression that it's crowded down there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not. It, it's it's people seldom visit it. Oh, okay. uh, but they do on occasion visit it. But but Bigfoot is not always there either. Uh, it has more to do with the uh, salmon runs on the Klamath River. Uh, when the salmon runs occur, they they they, they you, you begin to see signs. They walk down those creeks to the to the Klamath River mm-hmm. to get fish, uh, and you're more likely to encounter one during the salmon runs than any other time. So that would be twice a year. Because at the uh, during the salmon run, the salmon's are are also being sought for by bears as well, aren't they? They are. Uh, the salmon's a tremendous source of protein. Mm-hmm. They uh, they walk those creeks. Uh, the Bluff Creek itself is too small to have a lot of salmon. It doesn't have salmon in it. But but uh, the Klamath River does, and the Bluff Creek runs into the Klamath. So they just kind of walk that creek, come out of the high country and walk that creek. And it's it'll be in October. It'll be in March. You can't get in there in March. No way. Uh, because it's too much snow. Well, you have to go into the high country and come over down into Buck Creek, and it's just too much snow. Unless you have some kind of equipment that'll handle that snowmobile or something. But uh, in October, uh, there's there's a, you know you can get in there then, mm-hmm. and uh, your your odds go way up, way up of having an encounter or seeing signs. As a, as a Bigfoot researcher and enthusiast, MK, why do you think that that all, that all important smoking gun has not been established? How, how come we haven't found a cadaver of Bigfoot that would put this, is Bigfoot real, is Bigfoot not real to, to rest. Well, I, I don't know that there hasn't been, Rob. Uh, you know, you look you look at occasions mm-hmm. down through the years where people have come across bones, they've come across skulls. There was a skull that uh, some Boy Scouts were on a expedition in California, and their their mule kicked up a skull out of a out of a uh, big old mud hole, mm-hmm. uh, and they and they was, they call it the minaret skull. You can look it up online. Uh, it was virtually a bigfoot skull, and they took it. Uh, I think they took it to the Smithsonian, which okay. it promptly disappeared. Uh, but was well documented before that occurred. Uh, so you know, down in the basements of mm-hmm. some of these. Some of these uh, museums, uh, there's been stuff that's been just not put on display, uh, kept off, kept uh, locked up, you know, uh, now, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Is is that fact or is that a conspiracy theory? Well, it's it's a fact. In some, in some it can be proven in some cases. In other mm-hmm. cases, it's a, it's kind of a rumor, right? Uh, so you know, it's it's. You lay your hands on it, then you know. Sure. Uh, but 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 that kind of thing does happen. Uh, uh, I've got a a photograph taken over forty years ago of a 
a skull that was double the size of a human skull. It had a double row of upper teeth. The bottom row teeth were just a single row. Uh, and uh, the museum where the picture was taken now denies that it ever had it. But I have the actual photo, the actual print. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep it in a safe locked up. What do you think the origin of Bigfoot is? Oh, with the origins? Yeah. Uh, you know, I have my own ideas about it, Rob. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I can prove it, but my idea about it, it's based upon my experience with the Patterson film, is right. that, that it's some kind of a human, but not us. And, and the reason I say it's not us is because of the tremendous weight uh, you know, when you sink up four inches in, in the, the type of sand that's in Bluff Creek is shale sand. It doesn't roll out from under the foot. Mm-hmm. It binds to little platelets. And you can't hardly stomp a track in there. And you, and you find a track that goes four inches deep. You, you know that you're dealing with something of tremendous weight. And we don't get that heavy. Is is there any is there any hypothesis on how heavy the the creature was that created this four four inch deep imprint in the sand? Uh, well, it's that that would be you know, a lot of unknown factors in that, but um, the Patterson subject mm-hmm. is probably a hit in a half a ton. Um, a, a cubic inch mm-hmm. of Sasquatch flesh weighs far more than a cubic inch of Homo sapien sapien flesh. It's, it's the muscle fibers are far more dense. Uh, it's just very very heavy. But once uh, again, but once on again, your, if they stepped on your foot, they would mm-hmm. break it. They break your foot all of these. But this is speculation. Because there well, is no, not there is. It's not, it's not when you see see a print that deep. Well, I understand that, but you don't know for a fact what made that print. You don't know for a well, fact. You you don't know for a fact that an inch of a Sasquatch uh, skin, or a, as you mentioned, is heavier than a human, because there is no evidence. It's all speculation. Well, there's the, there, the, I, when I told you I did. I did a side by side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are certain there are certain rules of biomechanics, and it's there's, it's it's the rules of efficiency. Uh, and, in other words, when you like, you swing your arm back, yeah, then you let it gravity bring it back forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you have to push it back forward, then you're going to burn more calories to do that. So you have to you have to find that spot where the arm is swinging freely back to the center. And once you find that, then you can calculate the mass uh, okay. by the speed. Uh, so, you know, those things are doable, you know, to a person who wants to do the, the science. Uh, it, it, not knowing it for a fact is mm-hmm. not accurate. That's not a fact. Now, have members of the scientific community concurred with the belief that Sasquatch is real and that the Patterson film is legitimate and that this is a real unknown creature? 
Did you did you say members of the Sasquatch community believe that? No, the scientific community. Uh, not no. It's it's difficult to sway science. Uh, uh, admittedly, mm-hmm. you know, there's there, but it's there. It's kind of uh, it's kind of like a lot of other things that one generation is kind of stiffens up to it. And then another generation comes, and they're a little more open to it. And then another generation right. comes. And until you begin to have some open minds on it, uh, at least to the possibility, you know, it's, it's like a lot of things. Uh, and, and proof positive is, is uh, I would say that it's, 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 it's not that unproven. Uh, it's, there's, there's some pretty good stuff out there. Like what? Uh, well, like for instance, the Patterson film. You know that yeah. that would work if you if you filmed a a giraffe with a bent neck. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but we know but, giraffes are but, real, but, right? Everybody sees but, giraffes. But, but well, I'm talking about anything. If, if you film something never been seen before, it's the fact that the subject matter has the bar a little higher. Uh, pe- people are a little afraid mm-hmm. that of something out there that's not us still living. Uh, they don't have any problem with you pulling bones out of the ground and declaring it to be home of this or home of that. Right. But if it's still on the on the on the hoof, so to speak, mm-hmm. they, they they become a little little hard. It's harder, uh, and and so you know, my my hope is that somebody will take a better film, another film. Sure. And that's why the, the Bluff Creek area is a good place to go just to try that. All right, MK, it's I want to thank you yeah. so much for joining us tonight. And Exo Nation, if you'd like to find out more about MK Davis and his work into the Patterson-Gimlin film, visit uh, his uh, blog site, thedavisreport.wordpress.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. Now, whether you're a skeptic or a believer, do you believe in Bigfoot? Is the Patterson-Gimlin film real? Send me your email. Send me your comments. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com. I'll be back on the other side of the commercial break uh, with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more, wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. 
In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232.